Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used or just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with Future Tech Podcast. Uh, my guest today is Sunit Bhatt. Uh, the Chief Growth Officer at Help Scout. Sunit, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Rich. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I appreciate it. So would you tell listeners uh, what does Help Scout do? Yeah, uh, absolutely. So you know, the, long and the, uh, the long and the short of it, uh, you know, Help Scout uh, makes customer support email management software uh, for 8,000 companies around the world in over 140 countries who make providing excellent customer service a priority for them. Uh, you know, businesses, nonprofits, educational institutions, healthcare companies, um, they use Help Scout to manage customer relationships. Uh, we help them take it to scale. Uh, we give them, you know, a really elegant um, and, you know, stunningly designed interface that's familiar and accessible because it's based on email. Uh, but they also don't have to compromise any of the power or security they're used to uh, with some of the more powerful tools out there. So is Help Scout for a particular company that they use internally? for customer service, or is it um, customer-facing where customers will interact with uh, the interface itself? That's a, that's a great question. I mean, so we prided, when we first started about six years ago, uh, the founders prided themselves on making Help Scout sort of the first invisible help desk. So what, is that, what does that mean? Uh, it feels like email. So one of the you know, mantras of the company is that customer support historically and customer service historically has kind of been dehumanized because you turn all of your conversations with your customers into like ticket numbers and cases, uh, which are great for operational right. efficiency in some cases, but they just, you're not talking to a human, you're talking to a case number. Uh, and so we built Help Scout around email. So to the customer, they're interfacing with the system all the time, but they just feel like they're in a natural email conversation uh, with your company. And for your customer service and support people, Yes, they're in an application in this you know software application, but um, it feels like they're in this incredibly powerful uh, like email to 3.0 sort of inbox. Um, so it, it feels kind of familiar there and that's that's why customer support people love it so much because it's familiar to them. it's easy to get started. And then as you want to get more complex and sophisticated, you want to automate things, report on things, workflow things, tag things, integrate things. You can do all of that, but it still feels like this email inbox that you've been operating in for such a long time. Uh, that's that's sort of the baseline of uh, uh, for Help Scout. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I've I've yeah. Uh, submitted plenty of support tickets in my time. Um, <laughs> Haven't we all? Recently, I've, yeah. Well, recently I've noticed a couple of things. Um, I think it, well, I don't want to name names, but um, there are some where you have to go and create yeah. an account and then submit a ticket. <laughs> and in order to look yeah. at your tickets, you have to go into yep. this login page and it's actually separate from a company's website. So that's yep. probably the the worst implementation because yeah, you don't know <laughs> if your ticket's been resolved. You have to like, go to the website and yeah, I've gotten somewhere. Um, I'll get an email of my ticket result, but the email is no reply at blah, blah, blah.com. <laughs> you can't reply yeah. to the email. So you're right. It is, it is a pain. It's like being forced to wait at a window of a building, you know, with like a shutter, like you go to the government buildings and 
<laughs> and then yes, you slam I mean, the shutter you down mean, on but, you. Right, exactly. They say, you know, hold on, and they slam it down. You're sitting outside in the hot sun. That's, that's what it feels like when you have to do that. So you, what's it like when I do, let's say I'm working with an ABC company and I have a problem. What what does it look like to me as a user? I email them, like support at ABC, and then what happens? Or yep. You tell me. Yeah, I mean, that's that's exactly right. Um, you would, uh, you know, for you, the customer, you get an, you get an email address, and we have a ton of integrations, so... You know, you can do chat, you can do, you know, phone, you can do, and we have a ton of integration. So I think the, the, the most important thing is that the company picks uh, and identifies the place where you're going to get the best support and they staff accordingly. So some companies will staff, you know, we do chat, some companies will staff chat, some people will staff email. But the key thing is uh, the best thing a company can do is tell you the best way to get a hold of them and the best way to receive support. So that's sort of the first thing. For most of HealthScout users, it's going to be email. I mean, there's a reason we have a strong philosophy that email is a great place to start because it's a little bit asynchronous. You can manage expectations around it. I mean, the best way to think about it is say you, you know, you you sign up a chat, right? So like I I work with uh, you know a financial services company and they have chat in their app. Um, when I ask a question via chat and it takes them like 30 seconds to get somebody online to answer my question and start, I start to get a little bit frustrated because chat feels like it should be immediate. 30 seconds, right. I start to get like a little bit, I feel like I'm waiting and it feels like forever. In email, if I get a response back in 30 minutes, I'm like delighted, right? Um, and the benefit to that That's is true. you can be a little bit asynchronous. You can look stuff up. You can craft the perfect response because sometimes being so immediate and top of mind, especially when you're an emerging company or it's a new product or it's a new strategy or new philosophy or new pricing, um, people don't always have the information at their fingertips. So sometimes being fast may not even be the, the best thing you can be. You'd rather be right uh, than fast if you had to choose. Um, so we sort of, uh, you know, so that's why we believe email is a great place to start. And then you can sort of layer on all these other, all these other amazing ways to communicate with customers. But, you know, for a customer, you give them the email address, they send an email in and it goes into this, you know, incredibly powerful software application that, you know, they're, you know, when, when emails come in, you can tag it based on the domain. You can workflow it and assign it to appropriate people. You can do saved replies so they get automated responses. So sometimes, you know, if it's a frequently asked question, you can index it and respond very quickly without even having to craft an answer. So there's all this magic that takes place behind the scenes. Um, but to the customer, they're just having an email conversation with, with an individual. Uh, on the user side, on the customer support side, you can like assign it to other people, assign it to teams. I mean, there's, there's almost an infinite number of things you can do once an email comes in, uh, in terms of how you organize it, how you support it, how you respond to it. And there's tons of stuff that you can do, but for the customer, it just feels like they're having an email conversation with somebody like an individual at your company. Yeah. I was going to ask you, why not just set up an email address and email with your customers, but you're right. Uh, I would guess you'd end up with an email inbox with dozens or hundreds yeah. or thousands <laughs> of replies. And it would be a yeah, mess and, you know, the tag them yeah, Rich, and I mean, all that. Yeah. You're asking the right question. So, you know, we, uh, you know, we're actually coming out with a, with a series and we started it with, uh, with Shopify uh, a couple, you know, probably like two months ago, six weeks ago. And it's this idea that, you know, in some cases you may not even need uh, some fancy help desk software to provide excellent support right out of the gate. So, you know, that, uh, why not just create an email address and an inbox? That actually works. We think that works up to like 50, you know, based on our data, up to like, you know, 25 to 50 
unique customer conversations every month. When you start getting more than that each month, then you start to become a little bit inefficient. And I'll tell you why. One, say you want to collaborate on an answer. It becomes really hard in an inbox. Like you can't assign that to somebody else. They don't know if you're responding to it. You don't know if they're responding to it. The second thing is if you're doing 25 to 50 conversations, some of that stuff may be duplicate. Like you may have answered those questions before. You have no way of knowing that. You have no way of reporting on the topics that matter. You have no way of you know, talking about the trends that you're seeing. Uh, you have no way of reporting on like time of day. Like, hey, we always get these questions, you know, between 11 a.m. and 1 p.m. Like you can kind of guess it, but you don't have good reporting on that. Um, there's no way to like tag things and come back to it. Um, it starts to become really, it just starts to get really complicated because that's not what email was made to do, right? Um, that's sort of one of the big challenges of email. Um, and so all these things, when you start to really think about automating it, about reporting on it, about getting insight from it, um, about learning from it, you know, the other thing is uh, you may be getting a bunch of questions and maybe the best thing you can do is actually create like a knowledge base article. So instead of people even sending you an email, they just go search for an answer themselves, which people love, right? Um, email makes it hard to do those sorts of things. So you hit a break point with email. And when you, when your email breaks, that's when you should come to Help Scout. We're, we feel like we're the, we've been doing this for six years. That's exactly, you know, one of our top use cases is people coming to us when their email breaks. Well, this is interesting. I'm thinking about this for, you know, one of my companies. Um, that's why I'm secretly asking you the questions, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Um, so what if I have a team of customer service people and, you know, they have to interact too on issues and then they'll interface with the rest of my organization, for instance. Um, do you think, have you seen where people actually replace their email inbox internally in a company with Help Scout? Is that what you're saying? Like, you know, let's say you have a company no. of 30 people, would it work like that or is that too much? That's too much. And I don't think that's necessary, right? I mean, email is amazing. Email has been around for, you know, 45 plus years. It's, there's so many great things about email as it stands. Um, you know, it's like, it's the largest unique um identifier we've created, you know, there are more email addresses than there are social security numbers and email is becoming your sort of digital uh, ID, right? Your, your digital passport in, in a lot of ways, you use it to log into a bunch of things, et cetera, et cetera, right? Um, and so email clients work great for personal email. The issue is when you want to really get to a point of collaboration. So like for us to go in and say, we're going to replace Gmail or we're going to replace Outlook is kind of not, I mean, it, it's not it's not worthwhile. And those companies are doing great things to innovate when it comes to personal uh, inboxes. But we're more in the shared inbox or where people are trying to collaborate in an inbox. So whether it's a sales, you know, a sales at email address, an accounting at email address, the support at email address, you have a specific, you know, uh, account, you know, uh, customer support teams for specific accounts, like there's a variety of cases where um, people use us for like collaboration and shared inboxes. When you get to personal inboxes, I, I, there's some companies that try, are trying to take that on and more power to them. Uh, it can always be improved, but we don't really see the point in replacing like Gmail or Outlook necessarily. Well, not even necessarily a personal inbox, but what about, you know, John at ABC company at a company? It's not really his personal inbox. It's, it's you know, yeah. when he's at work only. But is even that kind of overreaching? Like you said, this is more for a an email where several people will be looking into it. 
Yeah, I think the value for us is really when it becomes collaboration. Because again, I think those tools do they they do a pretty good job even for the for the individual. So maybe I misused personal, but for like the individual email address, I think there's a lot of great stuff already out there. You know, in the future, sure, there's open to those conversations. But this is really about making email more collaborative, more automated, uh, and more insightful. Uh, That's sort of where we're focused right now. All right, so. You manage quite a lot of companies doing this. Um, mm-hmm. Do you take any of their data and use it to, you know, to improve what you're doing, improve your product, or do you rely on feedback instead? And what have you learned from working with so many companies? What what helps your software help them? You know, where are they missing the mark, and what what are best practices? Yeah, I mean, we don't use the data. I mean, we use we pay attention to like what customers are working with, where they're having successes and failures, where they're tripping up. We obviously pay attention to all that stuff so we can keep improving the product. Um, we, you know, we actually think support is a great place and a great place to go to learn about customer challenges and opportunities. And sometimes customers tell you exactly the problem they have and exactly the solution they want. Sometimes you just see a bunch of tickets or conversations come in um, on a particular topic, and you're like, "Wow, this is something that we should really, we should really fix this." Um, so we pay tons of attention implicitly to what customers do within our platform. And then on the product side, you know, from the support side, we're always talking to customers. From you know, a success uh, and sales side, we're always talking to customers. But our product team uh, does a great job of actually, you know, especially when they are you know, writing requirements or in an alpha or a beta, spending tons of time with customers trying to make sure we're building the stuff that they need. Something we feel like we can always do a better job of and something we want to continue to get better at is reaching out to our customers and telling us, and telling them how they can make better use of the product or how the, the product and, and the app can be more helpful uh, to the work that they are trying to accomplish. So, you know, I think that's our focus is just about being helpful and, and educating customers on, on things they can do that, that may make their life easier or more productive or, you know, that, that's, that's, that's kind of where we focus. In terms of doing things in aggregate, um, you know, uh, we, you know, we do some interesting polling as well. So, and we ran a customer support salary study where we captured data from, you know, hundreds of customer support representatives uh, from around the world to get a feel for what some average salaries were. So we could bench that information, provide it back to, you know, our customers and anyone else who was interested. So we make them a little bit smarter about the industry, usually really well received. So we'd love to do more things like that. Um, so, you know, to sum it up, implicit information based on how they use our stuff, explicitly going out and asking them and tracking the questions they have. And we're starting to do some polling as well. What What are you seeing, though, that the uh, most successful users of HelpScan are doing? And what are you seeing yeah. that the ones that are having trouble doing? You know, if you, you know, not only do we want to use your software, but how do we use it right and not screw it up? What's the best way? Got it. What have we seen that, you know? So part of it, that's a good question. I mean, I I would say uh, that the folks that are, are finding the most success uh, are the folks who have embraced the fact that customer support is changing. It's not an operational discussion anymore. So, you know, I'm an old man. When I was, you know, when I would, you know, work in call centers or, you know, work in businesses that had call centers, you know, I worked at, you know, Prudential Retirement Services, you know, back in the in the late 90s. And um, I remember, uh, you know, we hired a, a head of customer support uh, and he put up this amazing dashboard. He was great. And his, you know, 
all the metrics were about efficiency, like world-class efficiency. You talked about world-class standards. It was all about how quickly you could get on, but how quickly you could get off the phone. How many convers- how many tickets could you handle a day? How many cases? And it was all these like operational efficiency metrics. Um, and I think what's happening to customer support, I mean, think of, Rich, think of the examples you gave at the beginning of the call where you were like, I have to log into this case management system. I have, mm. you know, I'm this number and I can't reply back. They're doing that because they're focused on operational efficiency. The customers that are, are, are having the best success with us and probably having the best success with their customers and their businesses are the folks who look at customer support and say, wow, this is a marketing opportunity. Like this is a marketing discussion. A great customer support experience becomes probably the best marketing uh, uh, interaction I can have uh, with my customer. And so I think that those are the types of customers that are that are having um, that are having a lot of success with us. Um, and they that means you know it goes back to what I said at the beginning of the call, which is they believe that customer support is something about being you know an exceptional customer experience. Um, and doing amazing things for their customers. Those are the folks that are having a lot of success with us because they're, you know, that's our value system. They're aligned with us. The the tool helps them do that. Um, you know, that I think that's where things go really well. I think the folks who are challenged, sometimes challenged with us or don't, I mean, look, there's no tool that solves every, you know, that, that it, there's no universal support tool. Support is very like cultural. It's very... You know, it's something that's very organic to a company. Uh, and so, you know, that's why there's so many great players in the market. And we think, we think every, you know, every partner, every player in the market is relevant to some use case. Um, the folks that tend to um, have a challenge with us are the ones that may get caught up in a hype cycle, right? So, like, they really want to get in and do chat, for example. Now, we allow you to do chat. We have some great partners for chat. Um, but... Too often, uh, when support becomes like a hype cycle conversation, which is this is what everyone else is doing, and that's why we need to do it, as opposed to a thoughtful conversation around, hey, this is how we can achieve that goal. You know, the CEO has asked for chat, like this is how we can make that happen. When customers tend to trip up uh, with us, it, it, we tend to get into those discussions. And it's funny, when we dig in, we'll say, well, look, do you want to do chat or do you want to provide excellent real-time support? Like, what's your goal? And when they get caught up mm. in like the specific tactic and not the strategy or the outcome, that's just sometimes can be, can be problematic. Um, so that's, that's what I'd say. And, and then there are a host of other reasons. Like, you know, they're, you know, if they really want to push hard and like sales and marketing has the budget, right. Um, and the support team doesn't have the budget, then you'll see them go with somebody like an intercom, um, if, uh, you know, they want really complex, you know, uh, like macros and like, I mean, these really sophisticated, like they have dedicated administrator or two for, for the platform and they can afford to make that investment. Then sometimes a tool like Zendesk or desk.com can make sense. Like, um, there's just some great, I mean, there's some great stuff out there. Um, so sometimes people struggle with us because they're staffed differently. They have different goals or you know, a, a variety of things. It's not, it's not us. It's not. It's not them. They're just. You know. It's, it's just not the right fit. Yes. Do you have any uh, analysis tools? So let's say each month the company can look and and oh this type of ticket represented like sixty five percent of all our tickets. So yep. you know it looks like it's an issue that keeps coming up. We better attack it. You know. Do you have like Pareto analysis and the tickets or any other analytics tools? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, we do. Uh, I mean, we do uh, tons of uh, tons of reporting, um, and so uh, I mean that's essential to like I think the value that we add, right? Just simply, you know, just simply doing uh, like just being a tool that people use to like execute on tasks is not really exciting. What we want to do is make uh, the companies that work with us smarter about their support, so they can provide it more productively, right? Um, and so, yeah, we have, you know, we have reports that talk about conversations that help you understand trends, whether it's, you know, the topics that are important, the sources that are important, the companies that are the most active, uh, but also like times of day, you know, one of a really popular way um, younger companies use us or companies that are looking to scale and take the next step use us is uh, to pay attention to traffic patterns. And so they can staff differently set office hours differently, you do a variety of things. So we feel really excited. I mean, it happens almost every day when a customer comes out to us or we, you know, we hear about a customer using um, a tool and then changing like the way they hire or the way they staff or making like a really important business decision based on our, on our insight um, and our reports. In addition to that, we have a pretty robust API. So a lot of companies, you know, use uh, sometimes extract the data uh, and append it and use it with some of their own analytics tools, you know, tie it in with uh, some of their own usage and activity or purchase or shopping cart data, uh, and then they can create their own analytics. Like the thing for us, and that's why we've really, you know, focused heavily on, um, you know, having a really robust and supportable and sustainable API is that reason, which is, you know, there's only so much, you know, analysis you can, you can do for some people. Sometimes, you know, you just have to be able to give, it's their data. They just want the data and they want to be able to crunch their own numbers. So we also make it a point to, to be able to do that. Okay, gotcha. Um, maybe just one last example. Any really surprising uses of Help Scout or really cool uses that you saw come from, from customers? Yeah. Uh, so there's a, um, uh, so there's a, there's a really neat use case of a, I mean, I love it. Like we'll, you know, we'll see a lot of, you know, healthcare companies use us because of our HIPAA certification and, you know, where we fit in the market. So great security, you know, uh, it's neat to see uh, companies use us for things like that, you know, veterinary clinics, you know, uh, medical clinics, you know, all, all those things. So really fascinated by the number of, you know, typical software companies like us, you'd expect them to be really heavy, heavily working with other software companies. And it kind of becomes like this, um, uh, you know, just it, uh, it, it's just this sort of pyramid of like, uh, you know, software companies supporting software companies over and over and over again, right? Like a Ponzi scheme. Mm. Uh, we're really right. excited that, you know, probably half or more of our customers, because we're anchored and built around email, uh, are like not software companies. So they can be retailers, but they can also be you know, property management companies or financial services companies or healthcare companies. And a really neat use case that that, that we heard about um, was this like small individual main street, you know, music shop uh, that uh, uses us to like book appointments and music lessons. And we were like, what a wild like application of what we do. And that opened our eyes to the fact that because of this email, there's, there's an entire world of customers that, you know, we should be talking to outside of, you know, the traditional echo chamber of, of software and SaaS, SaaS businesses. And if you look at our content, you'll see us, you know, push more and more into some of these Main Street businesses and Main Street conversations. And 
I, I think we're really well positioned for that just because our, because our product is focused around email. Okay. And then um, last, last question or two. So what does the pricing look like and, you know, what do you get for the different levels? Sure. Uh, I mean, check out the, the, you know, the, the pricing on, uh, on the website. Uh, we have, we basically have three different tiers. Um, and the goal is to, the goal is really, you know, what's the use case? So, there's a basic plan, you know, there's, which we sort of focus on, you know, one mailbox, you know, giving them a knowledge base, focusing on, you know, uh, the number of users is really the, the threshold because we think users is probably determines the, both the size of the support team, obviously, but then the complexity of the support you are providing. Um, so the basic plan is kind of new um, and that goes in, you know, if you pay an annual, it's about, you know, eight bucks a month per user. Uh, the standard plan is our, you know, obviously our most popular plan. It's, you know, it's been around the longest, uh, and it's unlimited users, unlimited messages. You know, uh, a good cap. You know, more mailboxes, more knowledge bases, greater reporting, uh, and uh, definitely some some integrations. And then we have a plus plan, which comes in at at twenty seven dollars a user a month. Uh, the standard's at fifteen, um, and the plus plan's at twenty seven, and that is. You know, it's all of the stuff that you've heard before. Everything is pretty much unlimited, um, but you get a lot of the powerful integrations that we're that we've launched. So, like Salesforce or Jira. Um, you know, you get a, a bunch of those like really enterprise level um, uh, integrations, as well as some new things that we have coming out. Whether it's security related, so like uh, SAML, or whether it's even more integrations with folks like HubSpot um, or something like that. So. Those are basically the the three tiers. If I think of right. you know companies, each one of those offers you know I think four distinct um, you know basically four distinct products. Uh, one is you get the email support tool, which I think is great, right? You get like the Health Scout app. You get some knowledge base components, so you can create something you know public facing that kind of deflects questions. And then you get Beacon, which is this contextual help tool. Uh, and the fourth thing is we, our support team supports all the plans. Um, and our response time is inside of 30 minutes, 24 six. So whenever you send a response, nice. you can, you know, on average, you're going to hear back from Health Scout within 30 minutes, which is pretty wow. outstanding. Yeah. It's, it, which it is, is pretty yeah. outstanding. And that I can, th- I consider that our fourth product, our support team, they, they are like our biggest differentiator in the market. If you're ever to have an interaction with them, I'm sure it would be, uh, it would just be exceptional. Um, but those are those are sort of the four products. You, you get some version of the email support, some version of the docs knowledge base, and some version of Beacon, this contextual help tool, and then you get our support. Okay, well, very good. And then last question: yeah. um, How can companies and individuals uh, start conversations with you? Just you know, what's the website? Any other methods of contacting that's better? Uh, I would say the best thing I encourage the thing I encourage people to do is obviously go to the website uh, helpscout.net. Uh, sign up for a trial. It's free and it's no strings attached. Uh, get yourself set up and kick it around if you're looking to do it. But if you really want to understand the value of Help Scout and why we feel like you know our values and our mission are to be just to be helpful, um, is sign up for that trial and then start asking questions. Like email the support team, and I guarantee that will change your you know it will change your perspective on what um, supporting a support tool should look like. Uh, and I guarantee you'll be happy with your experience. And I also guarantee you that if we're not the right fit for you during that trial, the support team will let you know. 
we're not going to try and close you if you're not, if we're not the right fit for you. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense for anybody. Um, and so that, that I would say that's the best way to get, to get started with that. Oh, great. Well, Cindy, thanks so much for coming. I appreciate your time on the call. Thanks, Rich. Thanks for having me, man. It was great to talk to you. You've been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.